Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. How We Talk About is a professional development podcast for educators who are teaching Jewish things in Jewish schools. We're your hosts, Jen Stern-Granowitz and Aaron Beezer, Jewish educators from New York City. Aaron, we're back. And after, yeah, we are. After getting some nice feedback on our pilot episode, we were here recording episode two. Our podcast explores language that educators use in Jewish spaces. And our last episode was pretty heavy on the Jewish stuff. I think today's topic falls more on the side of education. Yeah, I think the goal of today's topic, how we talk about children, is obviously trying to speak primarily to the work educators do, but it could also apply to parents or caregivers or grandparents or pretty much anybody who hangs out with kids or who was a kid. So why are we talking about how we talk about kids? I'm just going to speak personally for a second. I don't always say the nicest things about my child. I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. I react pretty instinctively. Stop what you're doing. Why are you acting that way? Where did you come from? Who is raising you? Why do I do that? I'm not the expert, but I am a fellow parent and educator. So maybe we see the behavior and it's triggering for us as parents or teachers, triggering for a whole host of reasons we will not get into right now. And we forget that there's probably a very good reason for the child to be acting that way. We just don't know what it is or it doesn't seem like a very good reason to us. So we respond to the behavior that we see from our own perspective and not from the child's perspective. Yes, exactly. Here is where I need help reframing my own perspective so that my response can be kinder, softer, more empathetic, maybe even more open and inclusive of others' perspectives, including that of my own crazy child. No, just kidding. My own child. So let's bring on our next guest, Pamela Schwartz, our colleague and friend. By way of formal introductions, Pamela is in her seventh year as director of the Penn Family Early Childhood Center at the Park Avenue Synagogue. Prior to your current role, Pamela worked at the Abraham Joshua Heschel School for 14 years. Seven of those you spent as a first grade head teacher and seven as the first early childhood learning specialist. Pamela, you have a background in learning differences and received a master's at Teachers College focused on this specific area. I'm, I'm sorry, before Pamela, before we let you speak, I just have to say that to me, Pamela Schwartz is a superhero for your work in opening up the Park Avenue Early Childhood Center so that my child can go to school five days a week in person that used to be like, a basic expectation of schools that they go to the school and they learn five days a week. And now it's like rightfully acknowledged that this is a superhuman effort to do. So I just want to say before we start, thank you, Pamela, for all that you and your team are doing to keep our children happy and safe. Thank you for inviting me tonight, Jen and Erin. This is such a pleasure. And Erin, I am no superhero, but I am part of a team And I do believe that a lot of what we're going to be speaking about tonight is about teamwork. 
and working together to ensure that the words that we choose are powerful and appropriate. So I'm excited to be here. So let's talk about children. Pamela, do you think that adults need to change the way we talk about kids or are we doing it right like 99% of the time? So it depends on who we're talking about. (laughs) I think that it depends on how mindful the adult is. I think that the first step is to do exactly what you and Jen are spearheading here. We need to make sure that we're all thinking about this in a mindful way. We need to stop and reflect. So I don't like to say that people aren't doing it right. I just think that there are different ways of looking at how we speak to children. And I think it all comes down to perspective and respect. But I think everyone has the ability to be successful in this area. That is inspiring and hopeful because sometimes I feel like I am not always so successful in this area. So I am, I am inspired and I am, I am excited to hear more. So Pamela, when we say that a child's behavior has a reason, what does that mean? A really wise person once told me that children can do well if they can, which means that they always want to be doing well. They always want to be successful, but there may be extraneous factors that are standing in their way. And so when we say there's a reason, it's a backdrop that we always have to consider. Every behavior comes to us with a reason. There might be a host of them that happen before a child even arrives at school. Perhaps they didn't sleep well that night. Perhaps they didn't enjoy their breakfast. Perhaps they had an argument with a sibling. Perhaps they had an argument with a parent. There's a whole micro units of events that happen before we even see a child in the classroom that we must consider before we snap to judge about a behavior. And those are just tiny ones, but there can be really major ones going on in a child's life. Whether it be, you know, a change in family structure, whether it be losing somebody, whether it be a move. I mean, sometimes there are seismic changes that really do impact a person's behavior. So I think it really behooves us as adults to really stop and think about what is the backdrop that's underlying these behaviors. That's really helpful. I also like the idea of the the backdrop, like thinking about, we all have a backdrop, we all have a backstory of how we enter a room, enter a space, whether it's the kitchen or a classroom or an office. Well, when we go back into an office, but a Zoom meeting. So thank you for giving us that perspective. Okay. So this, uh, this podcast is for educators. So people who are in the classrooms doing the work, and we're hoping that you can give us some very specific language for teachers who can use in the moment to, if they're responding to some very common behaviors, let's just say you might see in a Hebrew school, I'm sure in a day school or in a camp setting, all the children are perfectly behaved. But let's just say, just for you know, an example's sake, in Hebrew school, let's take some of these behaviors that we might see, help us with some language that we might use to guide our teachers in this moment, okay? So let's say the behavior is calling out. I think it's really important to balance both the frustration that an educator feels in that moment with the reason why the child is calling out. And so the most important aspect of this is not to be reactive, but to stop and say, you know, it really looks like you have something important to say and we all want to hear it. And this is a classroom where we've established that we take turns. And I think what's really important is that we talk a lot about 
well, what are the established norms in your room? Like, is it hand raising? Is it what we call in the ECC something called Zen counting, where it's like you can read the rhythm of when the person is finished with their train of thought and then the next person speaks. We try to really work with the children on that because hand raising is a difficult one. It doesn't work for everybody and it works for some people. And so I think first and foremost is establish the norms. And if someone is not following the norms, I think you need to A, be kind in reminding them that this was all a, something you agreed upon as a classroom community and acknowledge why that person might not be following the norms. Like, do you need a second? You know, do you think you can follow the norms? You know, do, do you remember them? Like really giving them the benefit of the doubt. And of course, like that's easier said than done, but I do think it really does help to have like community contract on how you share ideas in your room. It sounds like I need Zen counting in our JCP staff meetings. That sounds like an awesome tool to have. I kind of want you there like Zen counting with me when I'm like arguing with my husband or something. That just, that just sounds awesome. I want to, I want to hear more about Zen counting another time. Let's, let's schedule a follow-up about Zen counting. Okay. Um, another behavior that we sometimes see in Hebrew school, the opposite of calling out would be opting out, saying something like, I don't want to do that. That maybe even saying something like, that looks dumb. I don't want to do that activity. Such an interesting one because this backdrop that we were talking about, I think becomes even more important when we think about school that happens after their regular day because so many students come to congregational school for so many different reasons. And there's a social element to it too. And so I think there are multiple reasons why a student would say that. Um, one could be that it really is hard for them, that they're exhausted, that they just have had enough, right? That they're just not, they don't have the energy left in their wheelhouse. One could be like a social exercise in, I want to be someone I'm not at school. So I want to be this person who um, rebels, right? Or does something different because at school I'm, I'm always following, you know, the norm. And one could honestly be that there's something about what you're asking them to do that they don't feel comfortable with. And I always start with that one because I think that that like dismantles the agency of you're the authority and I am not. So I think I would say, wow, it's really interesting that you're making that choice. Can you share with me? And if it, you would like it to be private, that's fine. But is there something about this that makes you uncomfortable? And certainly, you know, that there are times where that's not the case. But I think if you start there, it reflects such a respect that you have that it's a hard one to, I think they would be surprised that that would be their response. And perhaps it would empower them to think a little differently. Another behavior that we might see in Hebrew school, having a side conversation in the classroom that isn't connected to the activity. And again, that's really frustrating from the educator's point of view because it sort of feels like a sabotage of what your plans are. But I wonder if you sort of flip it on its head and if that's happening frequently in your room and you're noticing it, why not use that to your advantage at, um, within your plans? Like it's sort of your constituents telling you what they need, right? So they're saying like, we need to have these side conversations. So maybe you carve that in again, like showing respect. It, I noticed that you all seem to need to have these side conversations. Why don't we start out where we have like 10 minutes of side conversations. And since I'm respecting your needs, then, you know, when we're finished with that, here's my plan for what's going to happen after. And I'm going to expect the same type of respect in return. 
Awesome. So showing that this is a community where we respect each other's needs and maybe this, this idea that having a side conversation is actually a need that we come to Hebrew school and to talk to our friends is a very legitimate and valued part of the experience. And I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of the students may be coming and excited to see certain other students that they don't see during the day. And this is their time to catch up. And that piece of relational Judaism is so important and it drives us to want to be together as people. I think it has to be reciprocal though. That respect has to go both ways. What should an administrator, myself, Aaron, yourself, say when a teacher says about that kid was so rude, my class is out of control, my class is so bad? If you had a teacher who came to you, what is your response to that teacher? This is one that is so essential in beginning your time with any staff and talking about how are we going to agree that we speak about children, right? There are always times where we feel We've, you know, burnt out our candle and we're frustrated and we need help and that's okay. And so it has fostered conversations where we've had a reminder of, um, you know, our teacher code and part of our teacher code is how do we speak about one another and how do we speak about children? You know, we often actually face what you're discussing less amongst each other as educators, but more with parents. Like, you know, was my child good or bad? And we try really hard as a team to dismantle that and say, like, these children are always good. You know, there are shades of challenge that we have, and we can discuss that. But to put a judgment of black and white on a day or a moment or a child, I don't think it's helpful to anyone. Just want to clarify and say, I think amazing educators find moments of frustration. It's not a reflection on a person as an educator or as a parent or the caregiver, whoever it is to have a moment of frustration. It's just that thinking about how do we reframe and move forward from that moment of feeling, of saying something that maybe later upon reflection, you might rephrase. Amen. I personally find myself being very flippant with language and not being careful with my words. Perhaps it reveals deeper thinking or maybe it doesn't. And so when we reflect on the words that we're choosing, we realize that they don't match our values. The words that we're choosing don't actually say what we want them to be saying about who we are. They're reflecting our tiredness, our our burnt outness. Our words are not the fullest reflection of who we want to be. Sometimes I find that um it's not just the negative words or the words that carry negative meanings. We talk a lot about how sometimes it's the positive words also. And I know, you know, this is, a, there's a tremendous amount of research on praise and an appropriate praise. And, but it is about word choice there too. You know, everything can't be amazing. Everything can't be brilliant. Everything can't be genius. And I think that again, it's just, it's about that mindfulness that you have, you have in really choosing the words that you use to describe a moment. Yeah, I think that's really important point about mindfulness. And I think what Jen and I are trying to help our teachers understand is what practice needs to be put in place to get to that moment. Actually, what words, what language need to be at your core and what what words and what language do you need to practice so that we can respond rather than react when we see some really challenging behaviors in the classroom. I I do think it starts with establishing that 
contract and that code of how you want your classroom to operate and how you want your teachers to talk to one another and to students. And I also think that it does also require us dismantle that agency of power. Like we don't have to hold the power in the classroom for the classroom to be a successful place. We can empower children as young as two to have as strong of a voice as we have in the room. And it can still be a successful operating learning environment. Wow, that is a great power and empower. That is a great use of language and something I'm going to think about after we're done recording this. So we're going to ask that you leave us, Pamela, leave us and our listeners with a reflection question that will help deepen our learning from our conversation this evening. So do you have that question? Would you feel comfortable sharing the agency in your classroom so that you speak 50% of the time and the students speak 50% of the time? And on that same note, would you feel comfortable coming to the classroom with 50% of the plan in your hands and 50% of the plan in the hands of your students? That is the scariest thing I have ever heard. (laughs) And it applies to parenthood too, Erin. It does. What happens when you give up a little bit of that power to think about empowering your child to talk about what they're feeling in the moment that you want to scream? Wow, Pamela, thank you so much. You've given us a lot to think about. Jen, what's a takeaway that you're taking from this conversation? Well, there are a lot of takeaways because I'm in this conversation as an educator and a parent. The way you phrased the the backdrop that people, children and adults come into a space, the idea of being mindful and this power and empower is something I have to think about and re-listen to. Erin, will you share some of your takeaways? Yeah, um, I'm thinking a lot about the balance that you spoke about in the classroom of finding the opportunities for our learners to make choices that we are able to be respectful of and uh, and giving them opportunities to make authentic choices that lead them to feel empowered. What are the obstacles that are in their way that we as educators have to commit to being on their side with helping them remove? And then you said something else about how we as a school community communicate. And I'm thinking about as a school leader, does everyone in my school community know how we respectfully communicate? Am I always modeling that? And I'm thinking a lot about that. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Jen, I I have the honor of working with you all the time. It's so much fun. And Erin, I love watching you be a parent to Aldo and Sage. So I'm the lucky one. Well, I think we all feel lucky and thanks for joining us and being our guest. An absolute pleasure. We want to hear from you. If you're planning a lesson or there's something that's on your mind, tell us about it. We want this podcast to be useful to you, our fellow educators. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah.
Jesus. Amen.